I do my show on the Heritage Radio Network because I think it's important to talk about the impact of technology on our lives. I do my show to reach home cooks and help them do better. I love getting together with people in the industry. I like hosting my show because to me, it's the stories about people and their relationship to food that help make the food more interesting and more delicious. Our hosts do their shows as a labor of love, but we still need your financial support in order to keep the lights on and keep the tape rolling. Please become a member today at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program was brought to you by Itoen, the leading green tea company and makers of Oi Ocha, Japan's number one selling green tea. For more information, visit itoen.com. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. If you're a restaurant, how are you managing your customer data? Let's talk about that up next on this episode of Tech Bytes. Thanks for clicking on and stopping by. It is Monday, June 13th, 2016. I am Jennifer Leuzzi. I am in a shipping container in the backyard of Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn, which may sound strange until I tell you this is the Heritage Radio Network studio. And I'm the host of Tech Bites, the weekly show where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today, that intersection is a company called Reserve, which if you're hip to the app dining out thing. You might have heard of them back in 2014 when they launched as a new way for people to make reservations. They have recently launched a new product for restaurants for front of the house, under the hood, more for the industry. So we'll talk to these gentlemen a little bit later about that. But first up, like we always do, we start off the show like a good meal with an app and we go around the shipping container and everybody talks about an app they love, a new discovery, an old favorite, and the only rule is you cannot talk about an app that you work for. So I think we will start with, I'm getting a lot of big eyes, which you can't see on the radio, <laughs> even though everybody knows it's coming. Everyone here has listened to the show. They all hear it. They all know it's coming, and somehow people seem surprised by it. But anyway, Greg, Greg Hong, CEO and founder of Reserve. Do you have an app that you like? I do. Um, I think the favorite one for me lately is Headspace. Um, oh, that's a good one. My uh, my fiance got it for me for my birthday, and uh, it's definitely one that's uh, something I'm happy to use every day. It uh, definitely puts me at ease. How long has it been that you've been using it? Um, on and off for probably three months. That's excellent. So yeah. you passed the 10-day free trial. I did. I made it. <laughs> we have done a couple episodes on disconnecting from your tech. Um, which is, I think, a nice counterbalance to this show because everything we talk about is basically living on your technology all the time. And it is nice to get away from it. So you might be interested in checking those out. Certainly will. The last one we did was a really um, deep sort of like tech people detox for 24 hours, like being off technology, off technology, food and people for 24 hours. That's impressive. Yeah. Like a total reset. It sounds kind of a scary. How was it? Did you do it? I haven't done it. It's it's a little intimidating, but it's also kind of thrilling in a way. And I would love to do it. I just have to find a time when I could actually be by myself for 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> 
Peter Esmond, who is the director of product at Reserve. Do you have an app that you like? Um, yeah, there's a few, I guess. The one that I kind of rediscovered after a recent update was the Uber Eats app. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I know they've been around for a while. They kind of differed, they had a different model for how they did food, and I wasn't quite honestly hope they're not listening i wasn't really into how they were doing it where they collected just a whole bunch of food and then user tried, feedback is great tried to deliver it maybe to them they, like instantly yeah maybe they want to hear this and then they went now they're in a much more of a kind of a seamless model where it's just a straight up delivery platform you wait 10 to 15 minutes you order the food that's there and it's just very quick and seamless and easy and the restaurants tend to be very very good and you know i know they're they need to work on their margins a little bit on the restaurant side, from what I understand. <laughs> but, but from a consumer side, um, it's a pretty good, from somebody who eats at their desk more often than they should, it's a pretty good app. Uber Eats is an interesting one. Anything mm-hmm. that's attached to Uber is always interesting mm-hmm. in the tech space. We did our first episode of the fall season in 2015 was called Our Delivery Services Bad for Restaurants. And we mm-hmm. had two small independent restaurant owners come in and talk about the whole delivery service ecosystem from Seamless to Uber Eats and Caviar and, yeah. and a bunch of other ones. And Amazon's getting into it now. I think this was pre-Amazon, but it's an interesting listen for anybody who orders food, owns a restaurant, or is in the tech side and is, is thinking about these things. Um, mm-hmm. Because the answer was, they're kind of not great for restaurants. Yeah. Because the margins are really high. Mm-hmm. 12 and a half to like 25% yeah. per ticket. So. I think Uber is even higher than that Yeah, from the, from the restaurant side. The flip side, though, to Uber that people uh, appreciated from the restaurant owner side was that it's heavily curated. So it's only one or two mm-hmm. restaurants. So you really get the full force of the marketing value. Yeah. And then they also provide all of the infrastructure and the delivery and all those kinds of things. So it's not a margin plus the delivery person plus the packaging plus this plus that. So yeah. the fact that it was kind of turnkey mm-hmm. and saved on some other uh, uh, revenue points yeah. for the like restaurant. Overhead costs that could be... Overhead, yeah. exactly. That made it a little bit more interesting. Yeah. And I know that they invested a huge amount of money up front uh, on, the, on the delivery technology. So right. the actual holding containers where they're carrying mm-hmm. the food because of their original model. Right. So when you're a restaurateur, you know you have a better control that the quality of what you're giving and right. leaving the restaurant is going to arrive to the person in that same, you know, with that same, uh, you know, quality. So that's a, that's a, to know that, that there's, a, yeah. there's, a, there's a value to be put on the trust of that happening. It's also a single volume transaction where yeah. it's, okay, today we're Uber Eats, so we're going to make 500 of these things and yeah. we're going to get rid of 500 of them and then that's it. So you can manage your... Well, that's what they moved Inventory away from. Inventory and, and all that kind of so stuff. So now it's, but now that's what it used to be. Now it's, you can go on to, you know, um, uh, like Indicator, any of those other ones where you, you can order whatever's on the menu. You can order anything you want and it gets delivered to it. So it's a straight, now it's a straight up, you know, pick us, pick something and 20 minutes later it comes to you. It's not the same like volume play. Well, September is actually just right around the corner, so it might be time to do an update on delivery services mm-hmm. with all the new stuff that's happening. Yeah, be um, Yeah, and it was a really interesting episode. We had people come on anonymously so that they wouldn't, you know... <laughs> Fear of increased prices. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it yeah, was 12, exactly. now it's And there's some NDA stuff also. Like, you yeah. can't tell people that we're charging you to be on the first search page. Mm-hmm. Which they do. Of course. Okay. We digress. Yeah. It's yes. a great topic, though. Mm-hmm. Um, we could probably all just sit here for an hour and talk about that. But we're not going to. I now look across the booth to Sam Schamberg, who is the GM of a restaurant called La Turtle. Do you have an app that you like right now? 
Um, I mean, I guess the app that I use most often is embarrassingly probably like Grubhub. To, wow, I interesting. Like, I From like a restaurant Peter, guy. Well, I like Peter don't eat a lot of meals actually sitting down in a restaurant. Um, so most of them are eaten at the office or, you know, late night in at my apartment in Brooklyn. And so usually I just don't know what's open. And Grubhub's one of those ones that'll be like, this is what's open and this is what will bring you food right now. <laughs> and then you can sort it straight on, straight online. So you know, after a fourteen-hour day, I like to I like to simplify things. I'm probably a little behind. There's probably better stuff out there. Are you ordering from a local restaurant that's by your apartment? Probably. Yeah. From the same one all the time. No, I try to change it up. Bedsty is, uh, you know, restaurants are opening every every day or so every, from a couple month. different ones. Yeah, I, I try to try some of the new ones. So do you are do you know that if you ordered directly from the restaurant, they would make more money? Yes. I mean, I do know that, but I also, I'm like a man of convenience. I know that, like, if I didn't order off Grubhub, I might not call that restaurant. So, as the, G- cereal. as the GM of a restaurant, how do you feel about Grubhub and Seamless when it's your restaurant? I mean, I think the end goal, probably with that too, is that you're, you try to get, you know, develop regulars. And so, even if they're ordering delivery food and, and you're sort of losing your margins there, you know, when they bring their family out for Christmas dinner, hopefully they'll choose the same restaurant um, and you can make up the margins there. Um, and so it's really about developing customers, I think, probably. Do you feel like you would walk into one of the restaurants you order late night from in person now? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Have you? I have for a couple of them, yeah. Okay, good. So yeah. you're your own test case, and yeah. you're kind of doing what you hope other people would do. Yeah. Okay. And it is, and it is a convenient thing. So I, I mean, know. Well, like, you know what? People... What I find so fascinating is the observation of people who are so um, really wholeheartedly vested in all these different movements of support my community, support my farmer, be local, you know, be connected, real life, you know, meet up, all these kinds of things. And people are very voracious and very passionate about these types of things. But at the end of the day, convenience wins hands down because people will take 20% out of their favorite restaurant's pocket just because it's easier than calling or easier than putting a credit card in again or easier than walking down the street. And the convenience piece really gives a lot of money to the second and third party platforms, which aren't doing anything. They're not providing a service. They're not making anything. And they take that money out of your local community and out of your restaurant's hands and then, you know, out of the wait person's hands and all that. And it sends it to some corporate office. So the same people who are so voracious about community and local and all these kinds of things, at the end of the day, a lot of people just want to pay so they don't have to do anything. So the, the advances of modern technology now are people want to buy time. They just want to buy time. Because Seamless and Grubhub don't make anything. They're just buying you time and convenience. And you're willing to pay for that at the expense, potentially, of somebody else. So it's fascinating to me. The whole thing is just fascinating. Um, anything that's third-party or second-party platforms that basically just exist to be a middleman to take a cut. 
Anyhow, I digress <laughs> yeah, again. Like, that could be a long conversation. I know. Right that's another, I'm that's like, a, there's that's like, like we could just skip yeah. our topic yeah. and just talk about <laughs> just, that. For I should about just now. start having a roundtable show where it's just we talk about right. stuff. So I'm going to go back into Mission Control and we're going to get into David Tadashore, who is our station manager and Mission Control engineer. David? Blast, blast off. Here we go. Here we go. What do you got for us this week? Uh, taking it a little bit out of the food space. Well, I guess maybe it's uh, you, you would qualify it as kind of a hospitality thing. But uh, So last weekend I was up in the Catskills for a wedding, and the night before the bride and groom, they rented out a bowling alley for everybody to hang out at. And they had one of those Touch Tunes jukeboxes there, which is like one of these new modern connected-to-the-internet jukeboxes. So I downloaded the Touch Tunes app while I was in the bowling alley and was making all these selections on the app and racking up points that I'll probably never have the opportunity to use again uh, for future plays. But in the moment, they definitely got me with that. Touch tone for touch the... Touch tunes. Touch tunes. Yes. For the 21st century jukebox. Yes. I'm sh- is there some sort of map and locator feature where you can see if there are other touch tunes jukeboxes around you? You can, yeah, actually. Are there, there has to be one in some like weird, divey, cowboy, you know, bar somewhere in the Lower East Side or something. No, I'm sure they're all over the place. Yeah. Right? Okay, that's very fun. Yeah. Now, I'm also looking back there at Malcolm, our intern, who seems to be in between bites of his sandwich. I'm getting the two thumbs up. I'm no longer between two bites of my sandwich. <laughs> do you have a good app for us, Malcolm? You usually do. I you do usually it. have an app with a backstory. Okay, this app, I think it's good, and it has a backstory. So the app that I found is called um, Schooled. College search, scholarships, career matches, all of that. That's what, It's got a very long title, but its uh, main title is Schooled. And coming, coming from someone who just did the uh, college search and college application process, I feel like this app is really good because it kind of, it's kind of like a way for this new millennial generation to like start looking for colleges because I remember when I was looking for colleges it was like really tough I was pretty much finding all the information by ear like all the colleges that I wanted to go to I just heard about them through different people and like college fairs but this app puts it all like there in front of you you can do different um, search filters so different career paths different salaries different um, degrees, as as I can see from this, there's like a whole section for sports colleges. That was disgusting. I can't believe I did that on air. Um, so there's a search option for sports uh, schools and all sorts of different things. So I think this is really cool because if I had had this app when I was applying to colleges, I probably I probably wouldn't have applied to one college. Oh, that's interesting. So spell it for us so people can find it. S C H O O L D. Oh, schooled. Okay, so no apostrophe, no nothing, but nothing. no E. Got it. S- strangely titled for something about education. That's funny. Well, that's the app world. <laughs> yep. And I'm assuming that it's free. It is indeed free. Okay, with probably some sort of in-app advertising. Oh, most definitely. Okay, that's good. When I was applying to colleges, you went to the library, and there was a whole rack of books that looked like big, old-fashioned style yellow-page phone books. That was all the big directories and like phone books of colleges. And they had them for different subjects or different states or different things. And you basically went and had to do like 
pencil and paper book research to find the college you wanted to go to. Was it the the U.S. News and World Report, or is this a precursor to that? Probably some. I mean, you know, let's be real. It was a really long time ago, and I don't remember all the details. <laughs> but it was something like that. U.S. Guide to Colleges. Yeah. Barron's Guide to Colleges right, right next right. to the SAT test books and all that kind of stuff. Okay, very good. Very good, Malcolm. You're a very studious young man. Most of your apps revolve around doing well in school. So we are here today to talk about Reserve for Restaurants. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, Reserve came on the scene as one of the apps for consumers to really discover restaurants, make reservations, and then punch in some credit card payment information and tip threshold and to sort of create a really seamless transaction for that. They have just launched a product for restaurants, for mostly front of the house. If you've ever gone to a restaurant and had somebody pull up your phone number, your reservation, and all those kinds of things, and a note that maybe it's your anniversary or your birthday and you are allergic to parsley, these types of information systems help restaurants do that. In this day and age, there are a lot of options out there, starting with the really old ones that work with really old hardware, all the way up to the new ones. You've probably seen things like Square, Resi, Revel, all those types of things. They come in the news, tech news, business news, startup news, all that kind of stuff. And then every now and again, it comes across your social media stream because somebody's doing a campaign for downloads and awareness and all that kind of stuff. So it's an interesting space, both for consumers and both for restaurants. And one of the things that I think is most difficult for restaurants right now, and we have Sam here with us to talk about the restaurant point of view is I I think we can all agree and restaurants can all agree and just people can agree that having better technology to keep track of all your information and all your transactions and to help manage things easier makes for more efficient management is more cost effective and ultimately leads to a better experience for the diner in the restaurant which is what everybody wants the diners want that the restaurants want that The thing that I think is very challenging right now is not that we want amazing new technology and software to help us do that. The thing that's challenging for restaurants now is how do you decide which one you need, which one is good, and how to make those decisions? Because what you have right now is you have a plethora of companies knocking on restaurant doors saying, hi, we are POS, app, cloud, swipe, payment. You know, all these kinds of things. You have startup companies themselves knocking on doors. You have the second and third party vendors knocking on doors. And all of this didn't exist even five years ago. So it's a lot to wade through. So through talking about what Reserve is offering for restaurants, we're going to sort of start from the very beginning a little bit and make this a little bit of a, I'm not going to call it entirely a boot camp, but a little bit of a 101 episode so that if you're a new business owner or a food entrepreneur and you're opening a business now, you're probably really focused on how good is my pizza? Can people buy stuff off my website? You know, is my electricity on? Do I have any customers? And then all this stuff is just more and more and more. So we'll start from the very beginning. We'll imagine, because we're sitting here in Roberta's, I always like the scenario to be, I'm opening a pizza place. It's <laughs> a good thing. Yeah. So, Greg, you've been working on this for a long time now, mm-hmm. years and years. And when you started off in 2014 with the reservations in the app, you had 
the roadmap to get to this space eventually. Completely, yeah. I think the idea, you mentioned it, the idea of the diner journey from start to finish, from I'm hungry, I want to figure out where to go out to eat, to um, going to the restaurant, ideally they know a little bit more about me, um, handling payment and then asking for their feedback, um, was always kind of the idea on the consumer side. But uh, as we started to get further and further into this space and talking to more and more restaurateurs, we very much realized that in order to do that well, you needed the other half of the pie. Um, and for us, that was really a table management product that lived within restaurants uh, to ultimately connect those two halves together. Um, uh, for any diner, when they go out to eat, that's the part of the technology, at least within a restaurant, that they will interact with. It backstops, whether it be a phone call, a text message, an email, or something that's booked on a, a restaurant's widget. Um, it all kind of uh, funnels into one place, which is how do I keep track of the reservations that people are making in my restaurant? Or if I'm a, more of a walk-in restaurant, uh, how do I track all the people that are coming and going from, from my doors? And table management, I mean, I think, Sam, you can jump in really quickly. Table management is much more, has a, has a much greater ripple effect than simply, I'm going to see a table of four at eight o'clock because it's not just the real estate for that group at that point in time. It's how it impacts how many people are sitting down all at once? How many people can the kitchen service? How many waiters or wait people do you have on the floor? How does then, as soon as that table is occupied, then the domino effect of what's happening? So it's even much more complex than simply table management. So like, what, what are the different components that go into all of that? under the hood from the restaurant side. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's what you said. There's there's a number of things, you know. I, it's, it's one of the things, we'll get complaints a lot of, you know, telling people we're booked and we have open tables. Um, and nobody, everybody always sort of thinks just like in the now of like, oh, if there's a table open, then why couldn't we sit at it? That Where, makes people crazy. Yeah, but from a management <laughs> perspective, if you're a table of four and I have a table coming in an hour, I can't let you sit at that table because... Why not? Because it'll take you longer than an hour to eat. And then I won't have the table for, for the people I've told I'll have a table for. And so it's like, it's balancing, you know, sort of those customer needs with, with what you know you need and, and trying to sort of find a happy medium. But and, and it's sort of, you know, planning all that stuff out and communicating with the kitchen and, and seeing, you know, what works smoother. And, you know, when we first opened La Turtle, we started taking large parties right in the middle of service because everybody wanted them right in the middle of service and we found that it just led to near certain disaster because it would clog up <laughs> the whole kitchen and so now you know now we weren't putting out food in a timely manner at the most important time to put out food in a timely manner and we had to adjust things and so now we do you know larger parties either earlier or after our sort of our, our sort of main push and you know so you're, you're talking about a really great example of something that you learned vis-a-vis uh, -vis trial and error. Like, oh, we want to accommodate people's requests for big tables in you know, the middle of Friday night, and let's do that because we want to be accommodating. And then it's a disaster, and then you stop doing that. So how do you as a restaurant manager, and then how do you as the you know, sort of under-the-hood software provider, how do you kind of anticipate those things or help people work through 
what things they need if they don't they maybe necessarily know or if they think they need things to run service one way but actually that's not the case i mean there's it's kind of a big unknown when you open a restaurant isn't yeah. it i mean i'll just speak to it. it's a very it's a very very delicate balance like because we try to very much on our side and i'm sure sam could you know speak to it is to be very sensitive to the type of ownership or type of management of whatever's happening at that. Like, in, we're working across the country, and so what we see very differently, very clearly in New York, is very different than Chicago, is very different than San Francisco. Whereas in New York, um, and, you know, in all, we, we really try to allow the technology to, one, be very self-explanatory, but also to allow the restaurant to have a sense of ownership but that we're not there to tell them what to do with their business. It's, it is a very flexible, very easy to use, and very, you know, they can manipulate it however they see fit, and whatever that's going to happen is going to happen. What if I don't know? I mean, I sort of imagine myself, the last time I went to go buy an iPhone, and I'm mm-hmm. standing at the counter, and I'm looking at all the different devices, and I know which color I like, and I know I'm going to get the small one and not the giant one and all of that, but then the salesperson starts asking me questions. Well, how much data do you stream? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? Do you need to be a hotspot? And yeah. even though I know the answer to these questions, most of them sort of like, huh, I'm not quite sure because I don't even know what some of these new technologies are that I'm going to now have access to when mm-hmm. I get the new thing. So that's great that you create a product that has flexibility and can integrate into what type of service a restaurant wants to have, how does the restaurant know what kind of service they want to have or what kind of product or what kind of features? How do they know, especially if it's their first time experiencing, utilizing this type of technology? I can speak to that. I think a big part of this is for us really acting as consultants for the restaurant. So helping them walk through what that guest experience is that they want to be able to deliver to their guests. Um, understanding how they intend to run the restaurant. Um, all of those parts start to come into a conversation. Uh, you know, I think from the very early days for us, it was always about listening to our customers. Um, you know, we don't want to put the wrong product in the wrong person's hands. No one wins in that scenario. We end up with an angry customer potentially, and they end up with, with less business. You know, I think for us, it's always been about have a dialogue with the restaurant, make sure you understand at every step of the way what they intend to do and how they intend to run their business and do our best job to really be consultative in that sense to to help them understand that our technology either is or is not a fit. Um, That's important, and and really that's how we build relationships is um, by helping uh, our restaurant partners along the way. And then to answer that, just to carry up to what you're speaking of, is like then train them. So if they have a vision of what they want that guest experience to be, then we're gladly hold the hand to be like, okay, well, this is the best way to utilize the product for you to accomplish that experience, you know? So... you know, Sam came out of the gate and said, oh, I want large parties on Friday. Let's do it. All right, man, I'm going to show you how to do some large parties on Friday, you know. But not to be like, ooh, Sam, bad idea, bad idea, you know. Yeah, we can help you do that. Are you sure you want Yeah, there might that? be a little bit of a question. Okay, <laughs> right. but we're going. Yeah, right. And I think also a, a big thing from a restaurant operator's point of view is service. Um, in, any, in any tech sort of software or hardware, um, having done this for a while service is is if not the most important one of the top three most important things that i look for because it's it's really when you need you know i've worked on everything from the best pos to the worst pos and i've worked with bad reservation systems and good reservation systems Um, but at the end of the day the the real difference 
is is the service. It's it's when something's not working in the in the middle of a busy service, and you can quickly sort of get help. Basically, um, you know that's that's very very important to me. Yeah. yeah, there's there's two elements that I want to emphasize that you talk about. I mean, ultimately, when we think of service for us, it's how do we listen to our customers in the moment that they need it. So we've got 24/7, all the time we're available. You know, if something goes down, isn't working right, whatever else the case may be, we're available to answer those questions. But the the other part of that, and I think from from my perspective, a lot of what I think restaurateurs that we talk to from a legacy standpoint, you look at the legacy tech providers that have been available to them, the other aspect of service is listening to their needs. So once they come back and say, hey, this isn't working the way I want it to, could you do this, that, or whatever else the case may be, what can you do for me to fix that and under what timeline, right? And I think that's been the biggest thing that I hear back from a lot of restaurateurs is really with the product we're providing, how do we make sure that we're doing that in a timely manner as well? So... I'm not doing my job in a timely manner because we're way past our break time. So we're going to take, we're going to sneak out for a little bit of a break and listen to some music and listen to who our amazing sponsors are. Itoen, the leading green tea company and makers of Oi Ocha, Japan's number one selling green tea, offers an array of award-winning ready-to-drink teas, premium tea leaves, tea bags, and antioxidant matcha powder. From the refreshing taste of tea's tea, brewed with only the purest of teas, to matcha love taking a modern take on an ancient ritual, Itoen celebrates the authentic tastes of Japan with their 50-plus years of tea-making expertise. For a natural energy boost, try Sencha Shot, packed with healthy catechins and vitamin C. Do visit the Matcha Love Store in the Mitsua Marketplace located in Edgewater, New Jersey for their signature matcha ice cream and shakes. Hoji and Black Sesame are also a must. With a selection of delicious teas, teaware, and gift sets, Matcha Love by Itoen is not to be missed. For more information, visit itoen.com. Well, if you just joined us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today that intersection is a company called Reserve, which started as an app for diners to discover restaurants, make reservations, and pay for their reservations while they were there, pay the check. And so to sort of close the circle, they realized that in order to provide really great service for diners you need to help restaurants provide really great service. So we're here talking with Greg Hong, the CEO and founder, Peter Esmond, the director of product for Reserve, and Sam Schamberg, who is our restaurant focus group of one. He's the GM of a Manhattan restaurant called La Turtle. So one of the things we talked about just before the break was the idea that Reserve walks through asking questions with the restaurants, what type of service they want to have, what they want to provide, what things work for them, and what are, what are not working for them, which is a pretty, I think, important piece of discovery given that much of the technology and the services that you're offering just simply did not exist as recently as four or five years ago. So if you were sitting down with Sam for the first time as a potential new client, like walk us through what types of questions do you start off asking? Because I think sometimes 
people don't even know where to start, and it's very overwhelming. So, one of the first questions we always ask is what what do they hope to get out of a reservation system or a guest management system that they are looking at? Like, what are the core benefits they're looking at? Is it... What if I don't even know? What if it's like, you know what? I, um, I was uh, an accountant and I had a really amazing uh, granola that I would make for friends and family and everybody told me I should have a business. And so now I have a little, like, granola food shop in Bushwick and we do breakfast and coffee and I have no idea. Well, there's some, at some point, there's gonna, like, they're calling us typically. Right, or because they, I need something. Need I know something. I need something. Right, they know they need something. So it's a question of getting to the bottom of what is that thing? Is it, I've got just people pounding on the door and it's like chaos at the front and it's just the yes, organization, yes, right? Yes. I need something to just structure this. Cool. No problem. Let's, let's focus on the things in the product that will help you solve that problem. So at the end, I guess the, really the conversation is about what problems are you trying to solve with the technology that we're about to discuss? And then what do we have or what can we provide to help you solve that problem? And if it's, if you're talking to us and you, are really looking, you know, I really want to do more delivery, then it's a very clear conversation. Like, yeah. wow, there's some great products. We can help you figure it out, but this isn't the one. Um, but where you're looking at anything that's, you know, looking at a guest experience from, as you know, as Greg talked about, like, how are people finding me? I want to find more people. I want to know where they're looking so for. Wa- walk, and us, wa- walk us through the guest experience in a really concrete way and talk to us at all the different points along the way that reserve is you know, capturing information or helping streamline that service and, and feel free to, or let, let's take a, let's take a customer journey from uh, to average customer at LaTurtle. Um, yeah. I mean, the average customer at LaTurtle uh, would either usually find us via, you know, a Google search or have read about us somewhere. Um, they might call our telephones, and to be completely honest, we don't always answer our telephones at La Turtle, um, which was a major reason that I needed something like Reserve. Um, is that a time issue and a staff issue? Is that I just mean, it's a, a nobody calls issue, anyway? So. And it was a sort of conscious decision we made to, to sort of want to sort of switch to almost all online reservations. Um, and that was a thing that, you know, I was conscious of, of losing a human element of, of, that, of that part of the process. Um, but it just made the most sense financially for us. Um, and it's also very nice because you automatically get customers' emails and phone numbers and all that stuff is done, done sort of automatically and for you. And so you build a very comprehensive sort of customer database that way. So you decided out of the gate to make everything electronic and over email for the cost savings on your staffing side and also for efficiency and then also just you can capture all that wonderful data so on the reserve side mm-hmm. what do you guys plug in no, it's, well, for that I mean you have, you have widgets obviously that, that go into the website um, to the, west, you know, the restaurant's website where you capture data from that you've got oh, so talk about what a widget is yeah <laughs> I can see like yeah. okay um, did it did it my, yeah. did my a, eyes a couple, like, flash eyes, like, got, like wiki, a nod over like here Wikipedia a little wink and, yeah, like exactly. what's a widget so, George um, Jetson it's a link that you can put on your restaurant website that will load um, what's called an iframe basically a, like a mini window on top of your website where people can see what time a, a pop-up box yeah a pop-up, pop-up box um to you know put in what time they want to go in what date how many people see what's available click on a time enter their information hit save get the confirmation confirmation email 
kind of all done completely digital transaction. Um, and then it captures all this information and then loads it into yeah. different like and, files and, yeah, and things all like that, that information gets there. passed to the restaurant. So if anything does come up, they can, you know, call the person or email them, email them later, know who they are when they're coming in, all of that great information. So where does the data actually live? Is it living on your server? Is it in the cloud? Is it living at La Turtle? So it lives completely in the cloud. We store all that stuff remotely for them. Um, the restaurant can enter anything they'd, anything additional they'd want to to their guest notes along the way. So um, we give them kind of a starting point, name, email, as uh, Sam mentioned. But then from there on out, we want them to get to a place where they can start adding notes or otherwise as they deem appropriate. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and how that information is organized, I think, is really important. Then that was one of the things that was sort of attractive um, about reserve to me that it was it was apparent that they had people working for them that had done my job and organized that information before and so it was it was in a way and sort of broken in kind of like compartment uh, you know broken compartmentalized in, yeah exactly in in a way that really made sense and was easy to keep track of and and you know, you didn't have to be the GM sitting there entering in the information. It sort of made it accessible, so you could trust, you know, an entry-level employee to to be to be making these notes. So, and that's that's a huge thing. Everybody wants to come into a restaurant and be recognized and have that sort of, as I call it, the country club experience, where they know your name and and you know, it, that always feels good. Even when I walk into the deli, and you know, they know what I'm about to order. It, it's a good feeling. People love that. People love to feel like they're a, a VIP or special or known. So you have then people like yourself, mm -hmm. Peter, who have worked in the restaurant industry, who understand how to organize the data from a practical use sense versus what a programmer or data person, mm -hmm. how they would organize it. Because I'm guessing that they're not necessarily the same. Yeah, there's, I mean... I mean, the way the information architecture, the organization of yeah. data is probably different from a pure programmer to a restaurant GM. Yeah, there's a lot of funny conversations at work about why something that seems completely illogical is actually very logical for a restaurant. <laughs> it's like, Give us an I example. don't understand. Um, why, oh, geez, what would be a, a, a recent one? Um, sorting a wait list by party size or by time. You know, why Why is that important? Uh, there's a search bar at the top. Just search. Just look up the name. It's like, well, yeah, but if somebody walks in and there are two top, but I've got a list of 20 people, I just need to be able to sort to see how many two tops I've got in order to give an appropriate quote. Like, I need to be able to do it very quickly. Um, so while search is a probably more optimal function for finding a name or doing something, um, I need to be able to do it faster than typing somebody's name. It needs to be immediate. And so there's a lot of context where there's more things that are probably built into the product that are replications of other of, of, of there's multiple ways to do the same step but it's all about how my, how can I do it in less taps and sometimes that process of doing it in less tap, taps seems like not totally intuitive but when you're in the moment and you're doing it you realize like Oh, just less. Why can't I just, just see the list of two tops? Yeah, exactly. Why can't I just do this? Why can't I? I, I don't understand. Like, why we, can't we I? We spend a lot this? of time with our teams on the ground, just actually coming into restaurants and stodging side by side with restaurateurs. We want to see it firsthand. What are the problems you're experiencing, and how can we solve them? Because, you know, something that we talk about a lot about is they will articulate the thing that they need, like the feature they need, but we might be able to solve that problem differently or even better than they even imagined in the first place. Right. So it, it's it is an ongoing, continuous dialogue. And all those little steps will add up. And at the end of the day, if you do it right, they'll, they'll lead to, to more revenue. 
I mean, because if, if you can take off two minutes at every customer you're talking to or even 30 seconds, you're going to have 15, 20 minutes at the end of the night. And so that might mean an extra table. That might mean, you know, the guest isn't waiting for 15 minutes. So they, they That's really a really uh, concrete way of framing what you do with minutes you save. Yeah, and it's something I talk to my servers about is, is you know, control everything you can and, and take the breath out of service as much as you can and not to rush people. But, you know, there'll, there'll always be people that'll they'll take a long time. But if you, if you make things more efficient by a minute or two for each dish, dish of food, you're going to get more tables. So in your customer experience, they've made their reservation online. It's great. They walk in the door. You say, hi, Sam. We know you. Sam feels great. What happens next in your customer experience? Um, you know, usually then we'll ask them if they had a reservation this evening. If, if I don't recognize them, uh, you know, in person. Uh, and then, and then uh, yeah, you, almost everybody at La Turtle usually has a reservation. We do get a fair number of walk-ins, but um, a lot of people reserve tables, especially during prime time. And, and then, yeah, then immediately we can see if there's any allergies or dietary restrictions from a previous visit. We can see how many times they've been in, you know, what's the average, you know, length of their meal. We can see what servers have served them before. And so all of that is useful information because, you know, as a restaurant operator, at the end of the day, you're just trying to make everybody happy. Um, and so you want all those tools and able to do that. So, you know, maybe if a, a certain table historically takes longer to eat you're going to sit them at a different table because you know because of, of things later down the road in, in your evening but it's all helps you sort of give everybody the best experience that you can so then when the server comes over and starts to take orders and things like that that is, is that information going into your system or no not currently. Um, it, it's something that we're looking at doing over the next little bit here, which is ultimately connecting. And it's something, you know, I think Sam said one half of the statement that I hear quite frequently from restaurants. We just want to make people happy. Right. I think the other half that I always hear from them is I just wish all my technology talked to each other. Yes. Um, and, and I think those are the two things. I mean, we're working on the second half of that. And ultimately, by doing that, hopefully that frees up more of their time so that way they can do more of the first half. So when the person, when the people sit down, then that there's no point-of-sale information capture when they start to do the ordering. That's a separate system. So you're using a separate system for your point-of-sale. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So then all of the information that you're talking about in terms of how long they took to eat, what they ordered, and all of that, at some point, somebody's entering that information into the system? The server, you, the diner? How does it then integrate? Or do we leapfrog to the check? Does it... Because you have a payment if the person made their reservation on reserve they have the option to use reserve to pay for it also? so the, the point of sale data that you mentioned so what i ate probably yeah. does not come over right. how long i ate we definitely capture right right so there, there's parts there that we need to connect together and once we connect them together you get to a much better place where restaurants are now saying okay great what were the last three bottles of wine this person ordered so i can give an appropriate recommendation um, that's stuff we're working on currently and should have out to restaurants in short order. Okay. And even now there's, I mean, we keep track of some of that stuff. If, you know, if, you know, as far as if somebody spends an extraordinary amount of money on wine, we're going to note that in their notes and we're going to, we're going to write down manually what they've ordered in the past so we can better serve them next time. Um, but that'll go not just for people spending lots of money. That goes for if you have an allergy, that'll get manually entered into your, your guest profile, um, if you had any sort of incident or didn't like something, that's going to get 
um, put into your guest profile, or if you had a bad experience, that's going to get put. In. So, all the really important information sort of gets transferred manually from, you know, the server or the POS station to back to Reserve. Right. But that is something that's lacking as somebody uh, still operating is is, you know, I'd love to see like a total inventory sort of restaurant inventory software. So just out of curiosity, how many different software product platforms are you using right now in your restaurant? We're not using an incredible amount. I bet about three or four. Okay. But I've worked for bigger hospitality groups where it's it's a lot. It's a, you know, you have, you'll have something specific for food inventory. You'll have, you know, something specific for wine inventory. And then you will have a POS system. And then you'll have a reservation system. And then you'll hire another company to take all that data and organize it for you. Um, and there's always a disconnect. You know, it's like one of those things. There's always, there's always a variance between our POS cover numbers and our, and our reserve cover numbers. Um, and the reserve cover numbers are usually more true than the POS numbers, but it's just there's always a variance. And these things don't talk to each other or, or sort of be like, you know, tell you what's going on. So That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, it can be <laughs> a little like a restaurant. It's make, yeah, it's making me anxious listening to it. I'm like, and people think like their biggest problem is trying to figure out how to record one show while they watch another. <laughs> Do you... Do you, gentlemen at Reserve, what's your end goal in terms of you had your app and your consumer piece in 2014? We're here on the restaurant side for table management. What's you know, you what's just, coming ahead you for just you? Talked to, you asked Sam what, what the guest journey looks like. I think yeah. our, our real goal here is to get to a place where we can describe or visualize that guest journey to a restaurant from start to finish. Right, so all those different elements, whether it be from discovery, I want to figure out where I want to go out to eat, all the way through to some of the point of sale elements, connecting those together um, into a product that restaurateurs love, right? Because right now, what they have is a bunch of disparate products that don't talk like to each other. Like three or four different, yep. in some cases, more pro- products and platforms, and we haven't even talked about hardware, so that's like a whole other mm-hmm. show. But on top of that, they should really love the system that they're using, because I think right now, to date, most restaurateurs they they end up picking and choosing and it's like oh i guess that's the one i should use because that's the one we used at my last kind of place that i worked at right um that's the old standby rather than oh that's the one i really love it 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 really makes an impact on my business and helps me run my business more effectively more efficiently um and really helps me make sure that i can take care of my guests and have them leave happier than when they got here so is your goal to create your own system where all these where reserve can manage all of these things is your goal to be um really uh, interactive and maybe more agnostic to be able to plug and play with a lot of the other platforms that are out definitely. there? Is it important for you to own the whole thing from start to finish? Definitely or? the second one, right? So we don't need to build and own every single piece along the way, but I do think that having that customer data, the name, the email, the phone right. number... Well, the da- any, any data in any situation is valuable. You need that, though, in order yeah. to be able to connect the systems together, right? Um, and to be able to do it every time. And, and that's the part that's important. That's where table management is so important. But from there on out, it's it's really about being agnostic so we can freely talk to anyone and, and therein allow a restaurant to be in a place where they don't have to pick and choose and say oh if i use this then i can't do anything else we'd, we'd very much rather be open um, in that fashion who do you who do you perceive as your top competition um the the largest player in the space open table is uh bar none, uh the person that we look at every day and say 
uh, how do we deliver differentiated product value and, and really a customer experience um, to, our, to our restaurant partners that, that meets their needs. That's really a big, big, big one. We're going after them. Yeah. The okay. landscape has changed. I'll tell you, as, as somebody who's opened quite a few restaurants, the restaurant I opened before La Turtle, which was in Newport Beach, California. Um, wow, very different. Yeah, but I had my IT guy come to me, and uh, he was sort of humoring the idea of us not going with open table. And at that time, I, I said, absolutely not. There's, you know, what open what table, year was this? Just I'm to 2013, drop. 2014, okay. maybe. Yeah. And I was like, absolutely not. Like, there's it, it, no if way. We're, if we're going to do something else, I'll just do it. I'll do it by hand. Like, there's no, there's no reason. Um, and and at the time, and, and it sort of changed. At the time, they really monopolized, uh, had a monopoly on the sort of web traffic. And I think the older generation probably still plays into that a lot. Um, you know, I think my dad goes on to Open Table and finds restaurants on Open Table. I think the newer generation and the more tech savvy people, uh, yeah, they're just it's a different it's a different game. And with these widgets, you you can it doesn't the consumer really doesn't at the end of the day they just want to make a reservation. So they're going to go to your website and click on make a reservation, um, and they want to eat at your restaurant. So they're going to make that reservation, and they want we want it to be simple and easy for them. Um, well, you hope that they do. They might just want convenience and be on open table, like same way you go on Grubhub and just look for what's open. I mean, one of the things that Open Table has, technology aside, building a better, you know, better, faster, more integrated, all those kinds of things. That piece aside, what they have is they have sheer volume. They have volume of consumer, volume of diner looking, and they have volume of restaurant that nobody, as you well know, that nobody comes close to. So, you know, I go onto Open Table sometimes, particularly for um, occasions like holidays, like if you want to go out on December 24th or something like that, where you know a lot of places are closed. It's a really easy way to search 12,000 restaurants in New York City to see who's open on that day and make a reservation or not or you know this or that so I, I, I don't wonder if it's just a numbers game at, at what point does it cease to be a numbers game and then actually become a product quality game like Sam, you're talking Sam's about. Sam's talking about it and I think he nailed it which is at the end of the day diners and we've seen this more and more from the restaurants we're working with that are using our product they know where they want to eat and they're using whatever t utility is presented to them. Um, and it's up to the restaurant to decide which utility is going to provide the best guest experience. But at the end of the day, they're doing discovery. They're going to different sites, the Yelps, the Trip Advisors, the Infatuation, whatever else the case may be. And then they're going to do a Google search or whatever, and, and ultimately use the tool that's presented to them in that moment. Yeah. Um, and that's what more and more we are seeing it across the board from restaurants that have either switched from open table to reserve or restaurants like in Sam's case that have opened with reserve. Um, at the end of the day, they are using the tool that's presented to them, and it's up to the restaurant to determine what guest experience they want to provide. Well, and La Turtle is also a really specific restaurant in New York City. You don't have 12,000 seats that you're trying to fill. It's a small, intimate experience relative to what a dining out experience could be. So you don't necessarily need a, you know, millions and millions of access to millions and millions of people because you're probably filling your room pretty easily anyway. Yeah, I mean, we hope to have access to millions and millions of people. Um, it'll make sure we're busy for 10 years. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 a, I guess a little bit of a different game, but it you know it almost makes every table you know a little more precious, and 
that's that's another really nice sort of aspect of reserve is they have a waitlist system which I I probably use daily um, where we might hold a table you know for a last minute owner reservation as we would call it um, and the waitlist allows me to sort of quickly the day of go and see people who say hey I'm happy to eat the turtle anytime between seven and nine. Um, and at some point, I can I can fill those sort of last minute reservations, or if I had a la- last minute cancellation, um, fill those slots too. So, it's a, even for a little restaurant, it it it, it proves that like you, powerful software can still sort of help you be more efficient and and uh, and you know bring in more revenue, which is and more happy diners and more happy diners. <laughs> We are out of time today, which is sad because I feel like we could sit here for a while longer, at least probably until dinner service, and sort of talk more and more about all these things. It's really just so fascinating, the environment right now, and it has the potential to be really great and super helpful for restaurants and for diners alike. I think it's just a really um, chaotic period right now where people have to sift through a lot of different things, both on the consumer side and on the restaurant side, and get used to the technology and understand what it can do for them before it can really start to do something for them. I think it's all like when we, you know, when the smartphones first came out, it was like, wow, what are we going to do with this? Or, you know, even the iPod when it first came out, it was like, wow, all your music in one spot. Um, So it's a little bit of a getting over the hump, I think. But I do want to thank Greg Hung and Peter Esmond from Reserve for Restaurants for coming out and Sam Schamberg from La Turtle for being our restaurant focus group of one. If you want to follow them online, Reserve is at Reserve on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to check them out, they're Reserve.com. La Turtle is... At La Turtle NYC for Instagram. And where can we and go to Reserve to find a reservation? Yeah, you can come to Reserve to find a reservation. We're, we're on the Lower East Side, the corner of Rivington and Christie. And if you go in, say hi to Sam. Absolutely. Tell him you heard him on Tech Bites. Absolutely. I'll get you a free, free glass of sparkling wine. Okay. <laughs> we're all there. You're open on Mondays, right? Yes. You can run right there right now. I want to thank everyone for coming out to Roberta's. I want to thank our amazing sponsors. Thank Mission Control in the booth for turning our shipping container conversation into live radio. If you liked it, come back and see us again. I'm Jennifer Leutze. This is Tech Bites. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.